Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for July 19th, 2018. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me today is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello, Peter. We are actually in the same room. Same room for since the... Since last Comic-Con, our first time. Yeah, yeah. same room for the first time in a year. Uh, we were recording on not-so-stellar equipment uh, on an iPhone because of uh, cable problems. Anyways, um, you tonight at Comic-Con, it's preview night. I got to see the show floor and experience that. But uh, while I was doing that, you were attending an event uh, uh, run by Warner Brothers-owned New Line Cinema called Scare Diego. Uh, yes, uh, Scare Diego, it's the second one of these. They did one last year. And it's essentially a way for New Line to show off their latest horror films they have coming out at Extended Preview. Uh, last year, they showed the entirety of Annabelle Creation. Uh, this year, we didn't, see it, we didn't see entire films, but we saw clips from uh, three movies. Uh, which one do you want to hear about first? Do you want to hear about uh, It well, Chapter well, 2? Tell, tell me what the three movies are first okay. before we... Uh, we saw a little bit from It Chapter 2. Uh, the Nun, the upcoming Conjuring sequel, no spinoff, and a um, film that had been announced uh, but recently retitled called uh, The Curse of La Llorona. Which one do you want to hear about first, Peter? Uh, let's hear about The Curse from La... uh, The Curse of La Llorona. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting, as, as an incredibly white person, I was unfamiliar with this uh, folklore, with this uh, story, but um, apparently amongst a the Hispanic members of the audience and Hispanic cast members uh, on stage, it's a well-known uh, folklore in uh, Latin America and Mexico uh, about a woman who murders her children after learning that her uh, husband has been unfaithful and now her ghost haunts uh, families, seeks out children to murder, and it's this whole thing um, in certain cultures. I was unaware of it. And this uh, film... So this is kind of in the vein of... Uh... Michael Doherty's uh, evil Santa Claus movie. What was it called? Uh, Krampus. Krampus. Uh, I'd, I'd say like it's not as extravagant as that. It's definitely looked like a low-budget horror movie. It's uh, not a Conjuring Universe movie, but it has the same kind of aesthetic. It's set in the 70s. It sort of has, sort of has like the old-school technology and old-school um, uh, like costumes and cars on display. 
and it follows... So, so Warner Brothers was definitely like, this is working for us. Let's make more of this. Yes, exactly what, they, what, what it was. And the director, uh, Michael Chavez, uh, looking at IMDb, this is uh, his first feature from what I can tell. And the footage we saw looked, looked fun. It looked like a typical New Line horror movie. Uh, lots of jump scares, lots of loud noises, but lots of really clever gags. Like we saw three clips and one of them... Uh, two children are besieged in their mom's car by La Llorona, who is this uh, ghostly woman in a white veil uh, who who uh, weeps black tears. It's a really, really good visual. And the old school um, window op- car door window openers, where you, the ones you turn, uh, uh, start rotating on their own. So this kid is jumping around the car, jumping over the front and back seat, trying to fight against the ghost, trying to get into the car. And it's... Like I said, everything was punctuated by loud noises, by a face suddenly appearing in the frame. But it, it looked fun. It looked like a good, you know, fun house, haunted house style things pop up and say boo horror movie, which is something New Line has been doing very well for about five or six years now. Well, this sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I guess probably the best one to go on from there is The Nun. Uh, yes, uh, The Nun. As some of you may remember, The Nun was introduced in The Conjuring 2 as the main villain. This uh demon who takes the form of a nun and this is a uh, like the Annabelle films a prequel to the Conjuring films I can't remember if they specify a decade in the footage but look at the 40s to the 50s and set in Romania in this uh, terrifying castle and they shot in actual Romanian castles and you can tell the movie looks amazing from, from an aesthetic point of view and it follows a um, a priest and a nun in training uh, played by Demian Bashir and uh, Tisa Formiga uh, who travel to this Romanian castle occupied by nuns after a young nun commits suicide, and they encounter more than they expected in the form of demonic possession and all kinds of weird horribleness, including uh, in the footage we saw, we saw about 10 minutes of footage, just sort of like extended trailer almost. Uh, there are ghostly children vomiting snakes. There are uh, shadowy nuns appearing out of nowhere. There are um, invisible forces flinging people around, uh, crosses slowly turning upside down and bursting in the flames, all kinds of satanic, crazy weirdness. And it looks... It looks really, really cool, and as much as I enjoy the Conjuring films, I'm, I'm on the record as thinking the Conjuring is one of the best horror movies of the past ten years, and the sequels almost as good. I even like the Annabelle movies for for the record. This looks similar in that there are still the jump scares, still the loud noises that punctuate them, but there is this old school sense about it, almost like a hammer hammer horror movie sense. So it's old castles, lots of fog, graveyards, uh, shadowy figures. There is definitely a sense of. Um, I don't want to say Indiana Jones-esque adventure to it, but that's the only thing I think of in that it's about, hmm. not about a haunted house, but about a priest and a nun on a mission to Romania in this ancient castle fighting evil. So even though it has some similar tropes, it looks very different uh, at the same time. And it's directed by Corin Hardy, who did a really fantastic horror movie called The Hollow, which was a um, really ambitious film about um, Irish folklore uh, and uh, those kind of creatures and stories coming to life and tormenting a couple. And I'm really excited to see what he does with a Warner Brothers budget and a New Line budget uh, with James Wan, who, who directed The Conjuring films, producing. It looks really cool. And the fact that they shot in all these actual castles really sells what we saw in the footage. Now, I think what a lot of people out there that are listening to this are probably more interested than both of those films combined is It Chapter 2. Oh, then you're in for a disappointment. <laughs> um, what we saw was cool. They, they showed a few minutes of behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, director Andy Muschietti showed up, pretty much apologized for not being at Scare Diego because he's too busy filming It Chapter 2. And we saw a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, crew in action. We saw 
Pennywise clown and a few new shots, but most of the footage we saw wasn't actual footage. It was a camera filming the monitors, so we were seeing footage through footage. Uh, but we saw a few creepy shots of Pennywise, and we saw uh, a few shots of the new adult cast. Like we saw Jessica Chastain as a grown-up um, Bev, looking like Jessica Chastain. We <laughs> saw James McAvoy as a grown-up Bill, looking like James McAvoy. Although it was a, a cool shot of him um, staring at something horrifying with tears streaming down his face. He looked... I, I like the fact that even though they're, they're adults now, the movie was not shy about showing them an absolute childish terror. Uh, we saw Bill Hader as grown-up Richie, and there, he also looked terrified with tears on his face, so it didn't really be pummeling the adults. The only uh, finished footage we saw was, if you've read uh, Stephen King book It, or if you've seen the miniseries, you know that the adult Lucia's Club meet up at a Chinese restaurant uh, when they all reunite in Derry, Maine after 30 years. And we saw a very brief piece of footage cut together where uh, all the losers are in the Chinese restaurant and uh, Bill Hader has a quick line about what should we talk about? And then it cuts away. So clearly the only footage he had ready was just very brief scene in uh, a Chinese restaurant. No actual scares, no actual effect shots. Uh, but they've only been filming for a few weeks now. So in fact, they had anything at all is cool. And it was fun to see the adult cast members, even though we didn't see much of them. So what was the most impressed uh, thing you saw at this event? Uh, it's got to be The Nun. Like I said, it's out in September, so we're very close to its release date. But it's definitely the most polished, most finished thing we saw. Lularona's not out until April of next year, so that thing uh, still has a way to go. But The Nun, if you like The Conjuring movies, if you like The Annabelle movies, uh, The Conjuring, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Nun looks like that, but different. It looks like it has a very different location, has a good sense of dread, a lot of atmosphere. And it was the one I left most excited about. It was the one that looked like the most complete, uh, confident movie. Although a little bit of news did break as well. Should we talk about that as well, Peter? Yeah. Uh, they announced uh, Annabelle 3. They didn't have a title yet, but uh, Gary Doberman, who wrote the It movies uh, and has pretty much worked as a writer and producer on a lot of the Conjuring movies, a lot of New Line movies, is making his uh, feature directorial debut with Annabelle 3. And it's going to be a um, sequel to both Annabelle movies and to the Conjuring films, because as you remember, um, the Annabelle doll was locked up in uh, Ed Lorraine Warren's um, special room for cursed artifacts at the end of The Conjuring. And this room, uh, you may remember, is full of all kinds of crazy trinkets and evil objects. And a priest come by to bless it once a week <laughs> to make sure it stays okay. But in Annabelle 3, um, we, it takes place in the Warren's house as Annabelle's power unleashes all the evil objects in this room. And they start terrorizing the Warren household. They didn't specify if Ed and Lorraine will be back, if Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson will be back. But they say that the, the Warren's daughter will be the main character. And she's one who finds herself face-to-face with Annabelle and this literal army of evil things that are in her home. Uh, so it's a really cool concept. I mean, I, I think selling it as an animal movie is interesting because it sounds like it could very well be The Conjuring 3, but so it's a little bit of both, it feels like. Yeah. I'm picturing, for some reason, like toy soldiers. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but very cool. Uh, we, we are here at Comic-Con all week. We're going to be filing reports from all the panels and presentations we're seeing. Uh, while I was on the show floor and you... We're in this horror event. Brad Omen was uh, over at the Leica experience and uh, got to see some and learn some new details about the upcoming film from uh, the stop motion animation powerhouse. Yeah, so Leica, um, they're getting ready to celebrate their uh, 10th anniversary of their first movie, Coraline. Um, and they're still going strong from creating stop-motion animated movies, uh, really one of the only places that's making feature-length stop-motion animated films for us to enjoy nowadays. 
And this year, uh, their uh, installation that they have here is a step up from the one that we got to check out last year. Uh, it's, it's kind yeah, of, we, we talked about the one last year on the podcast, which basically kind of showed, uh, I mean, I, I guess figures and sets from throughout all their productions. Yeah, they showed off a lot, um, some of the pieces from uh, Coraline and Paranorman and Box Trolls had a lot of the characters on display um, featured in some of the larger set pieces from, from those movies. Um, and it was kind of just like walking around a museum exhibit. And uh, this one had some of that um, repeated, but it was a much bigger and even more upscale installation. And what was cool about this one is they actually had people from Leica who worked on these movies talking about their jobs in settings that were similar to the ones that they work work in every day. Uh, they had a couple people who work in what is called the quote-unquote puppet hospital, where when they're working on the movie and sometimes a, a finger gets broken or like you know something needs to be fixed, they take it over there and they uh, fix yeah. it, fix it, and touch it up. I went to like uh, to visit the set of Paranorman and I saw that room. It's basically kind of like what you would imagine like a puppet sweat house would yeah, be. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. there's there's tools all over the place, little tiny body parts everywhere, faces strewn, <laughs> like little metal figures, and there's just all all these things all, all over the place and it was uh really cool to hear, to hear them talk about their approach to fixing them and the, um, the two people that were there uh for the this particular they were also worked on like hair fabrication which is just a crazy meticulous thing just sort of yeah. them taking they actually use real hair too for like goat hair and stuff like that to create the hair on some of the um the characters so that, that was really cool they had another one where an animator uh, had been slowly recreating part of a scene from Kubo and Two Strings where Kubo is running and he had gotten maybe, you know, a couple seconds done throughout yeah. the day just moving it, it frame by frame by frame, little by little. But yeah, um, yeah. You do not get the appreciation for those stop-motion animated shorts until you see how long and how much work it takes one person to create, you know, a second of yeah, footage. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and then we learned some... Interesting details, um, one, one interesting detail anyway, about Leica's upcoming new movie, The Missing Link. Uh, the film has been announced, we haven't seen any footage from it so far, we've only seen a first look still, um, but they had a, a, a set piece of the set there, the large redwood forest where The Missing Link um, resides, a character played by Zach Galifianakis. So, and, that, so that's a piece that we saw in that first photo. Right, exactly. And, and Leica's always... They're pushing the innovation of, you know, they are using this ancient art of stop motion animation, but they're always pushing it further using computer and, you know, uh, effects with it, yeah. you, uh, 3D printing the faces. What are they doing with this film? Yeah, so we found out that they figured out a way to make it appear as if the characters in the movies are breathing regularly now. <laughs> they they've installed some kind of apparatus in, in uh, some of the characters and they're able to, like, squeeze it certain ways so that it fills their like stomachs and then moves their chest in ways that makes it look like they're breathing and so um it's fascinating to see like how they've advanced in the years that they've gone along where they keep coming up with new additional you know elements that make the characters seem more lifelike despite looking very stylized and unrealistic and just adding all these extra steps, you know, they have to think about, oh, where's the hand going to go? And where, how's the face going to move? And now I have to think, like, oh, so now they're going to breathe while while they're walking and, you know, doing all these sorts of things. And uh, apparently, specifically, the character that Galifianakis plays that they uh, refer to as Mr. Link, um, they also figured out a way to make the character's uh, belly jiggle a little bit more when he laughs. So that makes him, look again, look a little bit more like a, a natural uh, creature that exists. 
Very cool. You can read more about that on SlashFilm.com. Brad's writing a piece on that right now, and it should probably be on the site by the time uh, you listen to this. And uh, Jacob is also covering all the horror stuff, so if you want more detailed uh, info on all those projects, you can read it there. And lastly, I would like to go over to our own Chris Evangelista, who is his first Comic-Con in San Diego. Uh, so this is his first time here. I'm, I'm curious to see and hear his, uh, his first impressions from, I mean, you just basically attended preview night. You didn't imp- uh, attend any of these uh, press previews. But I'm wondering what, what you think of the convention thus far. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit overwhelming. Uh, like you said, I haven't really experienced a whole lot yet. But the, what I have experienced has uh, made me very sleepy. So we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. I tried to get into uh Scare Diego and they were not having my presence, so that uh infuriated me actually. So you could say my first night at Comic Con has left me <laughs> Angry and sleepy. So we're off to a great start here. What time this morning in Eastern time did you wake up to... I woke up at 5 a.m. Eastern time to get here. And now it's... So that's, uh, what, 2 a.m. this time? According to my watch, it's 3.19 my time. But we're we're recording So you've been, uh, been awake for over 24 hours. Yes, so... Or almost 24 hours. So, yes, that's about right. Uh, what was your impression of the show floor? It was very cool. It was a lot of stuff. It was filled with stuff I would love to own but could never afford. So, <laughs> But it was great to just see it all lined out like that. It, it's, a, it's, it's, like a, uh, it's like a paradise for nerdy things. It was pretty pretty cool. Are, are the crowds overwhelming? Is this something you would attend if you weren't covering it for... Uh, I mean, like you know, I haven't done any panels yet, and the 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 crowd at the the show floor was big, but it wasn't. It didn't seem too overwhelming. But again, I'm I'm sure uh, the panels will be different. <laughs> well, thank you uh, for giving us your first impressions. Uh, this is gonna do it for our day one coverage from San Diego Comic Con International 2018. Uh, like I said, we'll be back each day with uh, more, you know, of our reactions and information from the presentations that we experience. Uh, the big one is going to be on Saturday morning, uh, the Warner Brothers panel. So that will probably be posted sometime later that day. Uh, but keep coming back and uh, we'll give you our impressions as we see them. Uh, as always, you can find Slash Film Daily published every weekday. And actually, this week, you'll find it published on the weekend uh, on SlashFilm.com and all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please go like us on uh, on iTunes. Give us a review. Uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. And we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>